Okay, would you take your bulletins, please? Scripture reading in your bulletins, John chapter 11. In your bulletins, John chapter 11, starting with verse 11. It's the story of uh, Jesus raising Lazarus. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied to Jesus, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Uh, well, John chapter 11, um, one thing that uh, you can be certain of at some point in your life, uh, your life will be touched by death. Death is ubiquitous, and I love that word, ubiquitous. It's everywhere, it's omnipresent, death is ubiquitous. In fact, uh, every day when you pick up the newspaper, there's death on the front page. Uh, and this uh, past week, no exception, you can read about death in Syria, you can read about death in Florida, uh, you hear about Billy Graham dying, a uh, famous evangelist, and uh, we are singing Just As I Am at the end of the service today because that's how he ended his, uh, his evangelistic cam campaigns. Um, and uh, every, time, every time you turn around, uh, you're facing death. And uh, for most of you, you have lost parents or siblings or spouses or children. Someone close to you has died. It touches all of us. And uh, this is a wonderful passage of Scripture today about Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He's the exact opposite of death. And so to have Jesus as part of your life is to, is to be guaranteed life. And uh, that is what this story is today. Um, I'd like to point just a few things out from the section that uh, Dan read about uh, Jesus and Lazarus. Uh, Jesus, when he went to Jerusalem, which would happen uh, three times every year, a Jewish male would have to go to the temple and Jesus would go, and often he would stay with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
being just a couple of miles from the temple site, uh, that would be the ideal place to stay, just on the other side of the Mount of Olives. And so he would frequently go and stay in their home, and they became good friends. And so when Lazarus became sick, the family thought, we don't have anything to worry about. We'll just send word to Jesus, and he'll drop everything, and Jesus will come here and heal our brother Lazarus, and everything will be okay. And they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, and Jesus didn't come, and he didn't go. And uh, it says he does that deliberately. Notice verse 4. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And I think in this specific instance, Jesus knows what's going to happen. Lazarus will die. But death will not be final. Instead, this will be an opportunity for the glory of God to be displayed as Jesus Christ brings him out of the tomb. But I think there's also a lesson in here for all of us that uh, whether we're sick or whether we die, every, all of it is for God's glory and so that God's Son may be glorified through it. I think you could say that for everything. In fact, uh, Bob and Linda Knox, uh, Bob's now been in a hospice for eight weeks, and uh, he is on death's door. But the door doesn't seem to be closing that fast. And uh, so they ask me, like, why, why is this happening? Why does God let, let us suffer? And uh, Linda would especially say it this way. She goes, listen, Bob's a good man. <laughs> Why does God let a good man like this suffer for so long and with such pain? And, of course, part of my answer is, I don't know. And part of my answer is, well, this is for the glory of God. Now, I don't know how it's for the glory of God, but it's for God's glory that you're going through this. And I said specifically, the greatest way for you to bring glory to God is to trust Him and to trust Jesus with what He's doing in your life. Nothing brings more glory to God than your trusting Him. Think about that. That when I believe Him and I trust Him and His plan for my life, that brings Him great glory. That's the best way you can magnify Him. story I've often told of uh, trusting is uh, one, one time my daughter and I, we were skating on Twin Lakes right across the road here. And uh, we were skating, and for some reason we were skating at the far end of the lake and uh, I'm a horrible skater. But my daughter was just, she was just tired. She was very young, three or four years old. She, was, she, she always took the, to the ice like better than walking. She was just a great skater. But she was so young and she was so tired. We're at the far end of the, of the lake. 
And so I said to her, I said, uh, she said, Dad, Dad, I can't make it. I'm too tired. And I said, okay, I'll carry you, and I'll put you on my shoulders. And I put her up on my shoulders, and I started to skate. And then she got scared. <laughs> I'm a horrible skater. <laughs> and so we're skating across the lake, and she says to me, Dad, I'm praying that God will keep us from falling. But she said, don't you close your eyes. <laughs> I'll close my eyes and I'll pray. And I thought, wow, that is so God-honoring and God-glorifying that a little child simply believes that she can pray to God and God's going to keep her safe as her father teeteringly skates across the ice. That glorifies God, that kind of trust. And so it is when we're on our deathbed and we simply trust in Jesus that his plan for my life is a good one and it's the best one. He is glorified by that. Magnified. Um, notice verse 6. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more, di two more days. Deliberately. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Verse 8, but Rabbi, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, yet you were going back. Right? People are trying to kill you. It's kind of funny. You know, you know what this story is all about. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The disciples don't want to go because our life is in danger. Is there any danger to Jesus? There's no danger. The only danger is the danger he takes on. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Twelve hours was kind of what the Jews thought of as daytime. 12 hours a day, 12 hours a night. So when you did your work, you would say, well, I've got 12 hours to do my work. Right? People would say, well, I've got 12 hours to work because that's when I can see. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. I should go to Jerusalem right now and I should go and see Lazarus because it's the daytime. This is working time for me. Let's go and, let's go and see it and let's go do these good deeds that God has us to do. Because a night time is coming when Jesus is gone. Verse 11. After this, he said to them, he, he said, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus has been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead but for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe let us go to him I love it that death is just like sleep to Jesus death is just like sleep to Jesus uh, I hope this afternoon to have a sleep right 
going to close my eyes, put something on television that means nothing, <laughs> so that I can fall asleep for an hour and have a little Sunday afternoon nap. That's beautiful, right? In fact, uh, last night, Joanne, Joanne said to me, I forget what time it was, she said, I can't wait to go to bed. <laughs> can't wait to go to sleep, right? It's wonderful. Something good about it. It's, it's restful. It's, uh, and as you get older, it seems to get more fun. <laughs> when, you, when you're younger, you hate it. But uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, it's good for you. And uh, with Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, death is just like sleep. Nothing to be afraid of and not to be terrified of because of Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, or the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. And I think that's all he can see. If we go there, we're just going to die, let's go die. Kind of like the pessimist, right? <laughs> let's also go so that we can die. Again, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You're not going to die if he doesn't want you to. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus answered her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? When Martha hears that Jesus is coming, there's an accusation. Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. You would have healed him. There's almost a question there. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you do something? Casting a little blame. And Jesus tries to comfort her. Your brother will rise again. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said, no, there's more to that. I am the resurrection and the life. It's not enough to believe that you will be resurrected at the last day. That's not good enough. You have to understand that I am the resurrection. And I am the life. There was a uh, young boy and his dog died. And his grandmother wanted to console him. And so the grandmother said to him, God has taken your dog to be with him. And the boy thought about it, and he thought about it, and then he said, 
what is God going to do with a dead dog? <laughs> Didn't understand the grandmother meant that he was going to be alive in heaven. The boy, could, he couldn't think that, couldn't think that far ahead. How, how could that happen? Um, Mar Martha's kind of at that place. Yeah, there will be a resurrection at the last day. I, I know that's going to come. And Jesus goes, wait, no, just wait. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. It's, it's me. In uh, the Gospel of John, there are seven I am statements where Jesus says, I am, and follows it up with something. One of them, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I was already in existence, is kind of what he means. Before Abraham was, I am, trying to say, I am God. Before Abraham was, I am. And you're supposed to think of uh, God speaking to Moses at the burning bush when Moses said, who, who will I tell the people, has, who, who will I say has sent me? What is your name? And, he will, and God said, he said, well, tell them, I am has sent you. I am that I am. Yahweh, the one who is. And uh, that is my name. You tell them that. That's who I am. And so Jesus has a number of statements in the Gospel of John. Before Abraham was, I am. And then I am these things. And all of these things mean he is very God. I am life. I am the life. How could you say that unless you're God? That's what he means. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Um, I was reading uh, Max Lucado book. Max Lucado talks. He says, imagine going to a funeral. And you're at the funeral and they've uh, lifted up the casket and the six pallbearers are carrying the casket out of the church. But a man stops the casket. He says, wait just a second. Put the casket down. And then he says, get up. And the casket starts to shake. And the casket opens up. That's exactly what happens in Jesus' lifetime. There's a funeral. And Jesus catches it as they're taking the casket out of the city. And Jesus stops the casket, and he says this, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Wow. The dead man sat up and began to speak. Uh, you've probably heard the little saying, dead men tell no tales. <laughs> dead men don't talk. Except when Jesus tells them to sit up. That's Luke chapter 6. Mark chapter 5. Jesus goes to another house. And a little girl has died. And Jesus goes in and he says this, Telleth Akumi, little girl, I say to you, rise. And immediately the girl up and got up and began walking. She was about 12. Um, dead little girls don't usually walk. Except when Jesus says, little girl, I say to you, rise. 
there are a number of statements, two statements Jesus now makes. What it, what it means, I am the resurrection and the life, and he says, everyone who lives and believes in me, no, the one who believes in me and dies will live. The one who believes in me and dies will live. In other words, there is a future resurrection guaranteed by Jesus. Um, at my grandmother's, uh, my grandmother's funeral, there was a little bit of a mix-up with uh, the burial plot. She passed away just a few years ago. Buried in Wallaceburg. And uh, when, we, when we, the day of the funeral, we weren't sure if she was actually going to go into the ground. Because supposedly someone else in the family held the deed to the burial plot beside my grandfather. And we weren't sure they were going to let her be buried in the plot. So we were upset. Naturally, I was upset. I was bothered by it. Then we had all those talks about the other greedy side of the family. <laughs> you know what that's like. But thankfully, out of the kindness of the other side of the family, they recognized she should be buried there beside her husband, beside my brother, who was buried there a number of years ago. But the beautiful thing is, is she believed in Jesus Christ. And one day, my grandmother is coming up out of that grave. And my little brother, who I only knew for a few days, is coming up out of that grave. Because Jesus Christ will raise them up. But Jesus even gives more an explanation what it means that he is the resurrection and the life. He says, everyone who believes in me shall never die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. The follower of Jesus never experiences death. And so I asked the question, well, how will they never die? How will you and I, those of us, those of us who believe in Jesus, how is it that we will never die? Three things. Number one, the ultimate death is separation from God. Permanent, complete separation from God. That's spiritual death. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will never be separated from God. Paul even says that. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons. Secondly, we will never be separated from God in punishment. I will never be punished for my sins. Jesus Christ has taken all that. And number three, how will we never die? The evilness of death will never touch us. At almost, almost every funeral I do, we quote Psalm 23. And I always point out verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the valley of the shadow of death, there is evil. 
There is evil in death. It's not good. Unless Jesus Christ is with you. Then there's no evil to be seen, to be tasted, or to be touched. And Jesus says that in John chapter 8. The one who follows me will not see death. And the Jews take it and they say, what do you mean that the one who follows you will not taste death? It's because the terrible side of death will never be experienced by those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that when you close your eyes here in this life, you instantly go to be with God. And so you never know the terrible side of what is out there. And if you don't have Jesus, you do experience evil and death. It is a bad thing. It is a terrible thing. But Jesus says, who lives and believes in me will never die. So I was thinking about this this morning. I was just looking through my, uh, I've got a file on my computer, funeral file. And on it, I've got every funeral that I've done and all the notes that I've typed up for every funeral. And I was looking at Frank Riley's funeral. And uh, right beside Frank Riley in my, in my file, I've got uh, Acts chapter 7. And I was thinking to myself, I read Acts chapter 7 at Frank Riley's funeral? What does that have to do with the funeral? <laughs> I couldn't remember. I thought I knew. This is, what, this is the passage I read at Frank Riley's funeral. It's about Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And you know, Stephen is, uh, he is testifying for God, and finally they're enraged at Stephen, and they grab him, they take him out of the city, they condemn him to death, and they're throwing stones at him to kill him. And while they're throwing stones at him to kill him, this is what happens. They were furious gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears. Yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Jesus prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. But Luke says, he didn't die. He fell asleep. He wasn't killed. He fell asleep. Because for the Christian, we do not experience death. And we do not see death. Instead, before he died, he saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And I think Jesus is standing because he's welcoming God. Stephen home. Stephen, come on home. And as Stephen is being killed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. A number of years ago, I was driving on uh, Highway 
21, south of Petrolia. It was a blizzard. I couldn't see what I was doing. I shouldn't have been driving. And uh, south of uh, Petrolia, there is a curve in the road. And I couldn't see the curve, and I was driving through the snow, and the next thing you know, I'm on the curve, and I thought to myself, I'm not going to survive. There's no way I could possibly take this curve at this speed in this snow. And I've always wondered, what would I pray if I think I'm going to die? And right then I prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now somehow, I did not skid, I did not go off the road, and I made it around the curve. It's a miracle. I, I don't know how it happened. I, I, thought, I thought I was a goner. Not the only time, but that, I, I thought I was gone for sure. What a beautiful prayer. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You see, we don't experience death, and we do not die. The Lord Jesus receives our spirit. And that's what I said at Frank Riley's funeral. That's what happens for the Christian. And so for Christians, when we fall asleep, we, we, that's a great metaphor for dying, because it's not final, it's not terrible. Uh, Jesus Christ will wake us up from it, um, beautiful. The uh, Greek word for falling asleep, I have it here in my notes somewhere. Koimaterion. The early Christians, the Greek word here is koima something. And the early Christians, when they buried their dead, they put them in places called koimaterion, sleeping places. We get the word cemetery from that Greek word. And the Latin church, when they translated this, they used a word dormitorium, from which we get the English word dormitories. And dormitorium were the words for cemeteries in Latin, and it meant sleeping chambers. And so when Christians buried people, they put them in sleeping chambers. Uh, if you think about it that way, the uh, cemetery down the street, with many Christians in it, that's the most populated place in Sarnia. <laughs> There's a lot of people sleeping down there. Because for the Christian, death is not final. We do not see death. Well, what does this mean for you and I? Notice what Jesus says. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And notice her reply. And I hope that this is your reply. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. You are the resurrection and the life. I will trust completely in you. I'll put my life in your hands. And when it comes time for me to close my eyes in death, I will say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 